Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, and welcome to the first Through the Noise podcast of 2023. Before we start, I would like to wish you all a happy new year from everybody within Standard Chartered's CIO office. Also, just a reminder that we're holding our annual investment conference on Wednesday, the 11th of January. Not only will the CIO team share more details on the investment outlook for 2023, but we're also honored to have Mark Carney, former Bank of Canada and Bank of England governor, joining us. Steve will be hosting a fireside chat with Mark on topics such as economic policy outlook, cryptocurrency developments, and climate change transition. If you would like to join us at the conference, please go to www.sc.com/gmo to register. The link is also in the podcast description for your convenience. Okay, with that out of the way, let's move on to the meat of what we want to discuss today. We released our 2023 outlook in mid-December, and what we want to do today is to see how the past three weeks are fitting into our view of the world. To do this, I'm delighted to have with me Mr. Steve Bryce, our Global Chief Investment Officer. Steve and I will discuss the outlook of U.S. government bond yields, the U.S. dollar. Whether we should sell into the rally for China slash Hong Kong equities, and which sectors we would be adding to today. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe let's start with a quick overview of economic and policy developments over the past three weeks. Thanks, Michelle, and, and happy New Year to all our listeners.、Um, we certainly hope and believe、uh, that 2023 will be a much better year for investors, although we are worried about the growth outlook,、uh, particularly in the West, of course. I guess most of the economic developments we've seen over the past three weeks are, are pretty much in line with expectations. So, if we look at the latest business confidence data out of both the U.S. and Europe, for instance, they continue to highlight the downside risks to growth in 2023.、Um, so, if we look at the U.S. manufacturing business confidence indicator, that's pointed towards the second month in a row of contraction in underlying activity. And if we look at the forward-looking indicators, such as the New Orders Index, that was in contraction territory for the fifth month in a row. So clearly, it's a it's a challenging、uh, environment for from an economic perspective. There, similar data out of、uh, out of Europe, also、uh, contractionary,、um, although actually did improve slightly from the lows that we saw in Q3. On the policy front, of course,、um, you know the Fed has been central to what we've been talking about for the past twelve months, and so it's likely that's going to remain the case in the immediate future, at least. And the minutes from the latest、um, uh, FOMC meeting in December、uh, suggest that the Fed is unlikely to pause in its tightening of monetary policy settings, at least for the next few months, until they see either a sharp deterioration in overall economic activity. Uh, a deterioration in the job market or a sustained decline in inflation, and if we look at the second area, the, the job market, we've seen some significant data out this week. It all points to a, a still strong labour market, and given inflation is still elevated, although it does look like it's peaked,、um, you know that means I think the Fed is likely to continue hiking rates、uh, by more than is currently priced by markets. So. Against this backdrop, I guess we remain、um, comfortable with our playing it safe theme,、uh, which at the highest level really argues for us being overweight, high quality investment grade corporate bonds relative to equities. Right, so that's definitely a dynamic start of 2023. Perhaps let's pick up on the bond theme to start with. With the Fed sounding hawkish, do you think now is a good time to be adding to bonds? 
Yeah, so I mean, in our 2023 outlook, which we published in mid-December, we argued that Fed hawkishness would likely create upward side pressure on, on US dollar bond yields in, in the first quarter of the year. And we have seen bond yields over the past three weeks move a little bit higher. Uh, however, if we're looking sort of on a 12-month view, we do think that um, uh, the US government bond yield uh, will fall towards 3.25, potentially overshooting in the, within the year at some point as markets try and start to price in an economic recession and the resulting lower interest rates. So I guess that's why we sort of focused on, on, on bonds as being a good place to be investing. And if we do see any a yield rebound, um, then we would be locking in these yields by extending bond maturity profiles within high quality government and corporate bonds, especially in Asia, actually. So if we look at the Asia US dollar um, bond uh, universe, that's around 85% is, is US dollar, uh, sorry, sorry, is, is investment grade related. Um, so high credit quality, very attractive yields so, and, and, and some significant tailwinds coming through from the growth side, particularly in China, which is a, also a significant uh, um, allocation within the Asian US dollar bond universe. So I think there's some good supportive factors, uh, particularly in Asian uh, US dollar bonds. Got it. So just now, Steve, you mentioned about um, bond yields. So why are those higher yields not supporting the US dollar? Yeah, I, I guess this is the the, the the one thing that I'd say has surprised us um, this, this year. So our, our thesis was that in, in Q1, we'd see the Fed uh, surprising on the upside in, 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 in terms of rates, which we still expect. Uh, and we thought that would be support, supportive for the dollar. I think the main reason this hasn't happened so far, at least, is the surprise announcement by the Bank of Japan to widen its ban for its yield curve control policy, which sparked a sharp decline in dollar yen. So while we flagged uh, the Bank of Japan potentially making a policy change as a risk for 2023, obviously the shift became a lot earlier than anyone, including ourselves, expected. Um, looking forward, uh, you know, on a twelve-month view, we're still bearish on the U.S. dollar, right? So, so and, and that conviction is, if anything, has grown over the past three weeks. So I guess the main question is whether we will see the dollar bounce uh, in the interim, you know, in the short term over the next two or three months. I think, I, I think we still we we still do believe that will come uh, will come to pass. Um, so, uh, obviously, the Bank of Japan is unlikely to you know, change monetary policy settings again. Um, and, and, you know, so I think the focus will shift back towards Fed policy. So we think the dollar will rally in the short term, but we would definitely be selling into into those rallies on a longer term uh, um, perspective. Got it. So perhaps let's move on to equities. We're already getting some client questions on whether the sharp rally in China equity markets are an opportunity for investors to trim their positions. So just wondering what are your thoughts here? So I guess that another surprise um, over the past, I mean, we obviously had an inkling of this before we published, but, you know, the speed with which China has, mem- has removed its uh, COVID-19 restrictions has taken markets by surprise. I mean, um, you know, just uh, probably a month ago, uh, the expectation was that the, the um, only remove these restrictions gradually by around Q2 next year, oh, sorry, Q2 this year. So even before the, the easing of restrictions, um, we were already expecting consumption to add around four to four and a half percentage points to GDP growth in 2023. And that's rel- uh, uh, that's against uh, just a 1% contribution in 2022. So we're already expecting that, that positive impact to come through. Uh, this estimate would, uh, was most likely be higher now. Um, obviously, you know, we, we think the GDP recovery has probably been before, brought forward by about six months. Now, 
we have to acknowledge, of course, that the surging COVID-19 cases in mainland China could impact short-term growth. But the, the good news is we are starting to see signs of cases peaking in some of the cities, um, which I think suggests that markets should be able to look through this short-term growth hit as, as, as factories close and look forward to the, the strong recovery in the months ahead. As far as uh, markets are concerned, uh, the Hang Seng index, uh, Index's um, intraday break below key support at 19.380 earlier this week was meant with, met with very strong uh, volume buying. So that's the, the, that, that volume was about twice the amount seen in the second half of December. So I, I think that's a pretty good indicator that sentiment still remains positive and there's a good, uh, good momentum behind uh, Chinese stocks at the moment. Um, major resistance is around 22 200, um, so easy to remember, 22,200, um, where investors may uh, look to lock in some profits. If we did break through there, obviously, it would open up significant upside. But uh, you know, for now, that's our initial target. Got it. So looking particularly into equity sectors, where do you see the biggest opportunities? So I suppose following on from the, the China theme, uh, you know, we, we still see an opportunity to add to our China overweight sectors of communication services and consumer discretionary. Um, consumer, consumer, excuse me, communication services in China uh, is dominated by media and entertainment companies that, along with the uh, consumer discretionary sector, should benefit from a rebound in Chinese consumption. Um, an increase in new uh, COVID-19 infections would obviously imply some an even growth in economic activity, but over a t- six to 12-month time horizon, we think these two sectors should outperform amid economic reopening and increase signs of uh, easing regulatory headwinds. Just, just one caveat outside of this, I think you know one of the sectors that we are overweight in Europe is the financial sector. This has performed uh, incredibly strongly um, over the past uh, past month or so. Um, I think, you know, from what we're looking at at the moment, saying that looks pretty st- stretched from a technical perspective. We, we look at our own proprietary diversity indicators, and that suggests the risks of a consolidation or maybe pullback in the financial sector is uh, becoming more elevated. Uh, so therefore, we'd wait for a period of consolidation before considering adding further to financials in Europe. Got it. Thank you so much, Steve, for such an inspiring market update and also some of our house views that you mentioned just now. So that's pretty much all we have for time for today. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us today. And just a quick reminder, for those interested in joining us for our virtual investment outlook on Wednesday, please go to the link in the description of this podcast to register. In the meantime, wishing you all health, happiness and prosperity in 2023. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.